the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons, the hardest working man of the day of the week of the season. I'm, I'm just Chip Patterson, and I'm here. And Barton, you had six hours of live National Signing Day coverage on 24-7 Sports from the Facebook page. Uh, it has been days and weeks of grinding on the visits. Always follow the visits. Y'all know to follow the visits. How are you feeling right now as we record on Wednesday night? I am I'm I am ready to sort of collapse into the bed at this point. Uh, I feel a little I feel a little bit. This feels reminiscent of our post Orange Bowl conversation at like 3:30 a.m. in the hotel <laughs> in in uh, Fort Lauderdale or wherever we were. Uh, it, it was because it was like a fort. It's still like every radio interview I did. I did. Um, is more than I can count today, and everyone jumped on. I was like, "Yeah, it feels not not much, not much going on signing day today, huh?" I was like, well, "I don't know. I've been up since four thirty this morning. I've, <laughs> I've been talking for right. I've been talking for for nine hours straight. Like, I don't, it's a lot going on with me, but I, I guess I wouldn't, you know, I, I've not seen it from your perspective. So, uh, you know, it's been a long day. Whenever you get up, we got four thirty wake up call. It's a little tough to fall asleep too. So, probably going on like three hours of sleep. And uh, but man, it was uh. It, it was a signing day that had some had some drama, man. We had some stuff that that popped that we didn't see coming, and that's always fun. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't some we don't see teams jump from like twenty fifth in the country to third in the country anymore. Sure. Or like, you know, it's it's a little harder to make that kind of headway, but uh, was still I think storylines some some storylines resonated, some some surprises hit some some teams made some moves well and one of the reasons why we don't have those kind of jumps anymore is because of the december signing day and so from a from a big picture before we get into winners and losers teams that uh made moves big prospects that were the the notable flips of the day like do you think that we are going to continue on this path where the early signing period dominates or just as a matter of you know the process plays out a couple years, plays out a couple seasons, do you think that we will just find from class to class that maybe one year they all wait till February? Or it is, you know, as our our, uh, our big, I don't, I don't remember if I named it, named it the, the podcast title, but our big theme of the December, uh, December night signing day podcast was this is the signing day. Based on what we've seen from this year with the cycle being done, do you think that it is that way for good, or is this just going to be something that kind of changes from year to year? 
I think it's probably that way for good because it's going to be the coaches are going to drive this thing and and the coaches are going to try to lock up their classes in that December period and they I mean there's all kinds of reasons why you know they're going to have coaching changes they're going to have assistant coaching changes those kids will be locked in they're you know they can't get to January and and have to recruit a limited pool of prospects they can't rely on that uh, and and they are starting the process earlier and earlier. So uh, I just think because the coaches are driving this, because they're going to be more and more prepared every single year, uh, I, I think we're we're looking at the the new norm. Is early signing period is the main signing period? See, I was going to say that the early signing period is the main signing period, but it comes with the knowledge that the transfer portal and the transfer market is only going to continue to be player-friendly. And the case of Brew McCoy, to me, only drives home that idea that the coaches are going to get a win with the early signing period. You know, I, th- I think that ultimately early signing period is good for coaches. There, there is a storyline and there are cases that it's good for players, but I think that the in a zero-sum game, coaches probably end up as the winners of early signing period. And I think that in transfer portal world, that is somewhere where the coaches are losers. And so that almost feels like a give and take where, yes, the coaches are able to get uh, a little bit of an advantage and they're going to always push for those December commitments and those December signees. But the flip side, uh, the, the yin and the yang of this, is that we are living in a world now where you can make that commitment, but uh, the ability to take your talents elsewhere is probably easier now than it's ever been in college football well uh, i think what we're seeing now the early signing period is the, is for high school and the late signing period is for transfers i mean Ooh. that's sort of a i mean then there's no deadline on the late signing period right. on the february signing period but yeah i think uh whatever you don't get done in the early signing period you, you you sort of backfill and fill in the gaps in the transfer market and and that's that's the new normal as well um and and i think the transfer portal and, and the transfer emphasis is is only going to continue to increase as well when you had the uh when you had the day mapped out what was one team that you were expecting had an opportunity to make a big step forward and did not probably florida state i know man what is up with the (laughs) knolls i do kind of think as we get into this conversation it's sort of more interesting. The the, the 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 more interesting conversation is is the losers of the day rather than the winners of the day. Uh, absolutely, yeah, so no, hundred percent. Maybe we'll start we'll on that side and work up to the winners. Um, but Florida State certainly one of the losers. I, I think look, they did have some wins. They got um, two offensive line commits uh, that they needed. Both were uh, were wins um, and. And certainly a, a, a position of need that they needed to fill, but they man they lost some too, and it, it wasn't all good news. I mean they, Mike Loxley, I mean he he owes Willie Taggart a, a drink or two because he came in there, took Cortez Andrews, a, a three star safety linebacker hybrid kid, flipped him to Maryland. Um, Florida State was looking to land a quarterback named Lance Legendre out of Louisiana. Maryland came in, swiped him away from Florida State. That makes two consecutive classes now that Florida State is going to be without 
a high school quarterback commit, which is unheard of for a Power 5 fo- football program. Um, much, much less, less one that won a national championship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Much less one that has a national championship in 2013. Right, right. Um, and has a pretty clean depth chart right now, frankly. I don't, so, so there's that. And then on top of all that, the, the probably the best prospect in Florida State's commit list is a kid named Nick Cross, who heading into the day looked like there was a chance he would flip to Penn State. In fact, now Maryland is in the mix. And while he's still nominally committed to Florida State, and that things could change, but as we sit here on Wednesday night, it's it's looking like Florida State's probably the the third on the list there, and it's probably going to be Penn State or Maryland. And so Florida State's going to end up in the back end of the top twenty, and that's just not where Florida State needs to be. I mean, it's just a. It's, I mean, we've had years where guys have had bad seasons, and the recruiting still is is strong. I mean, Arkansas is recruiting on a commensurate level to Florida State. They went 2-10. Uh, it, it's not as if a five-win season automatically means bad recruiting class, particularly in a, in a first, first, first cycle, first cycle with a head coach. Um, it's hard to excuse kind of just the, the average finish for Florida State um, given – all the optimism that that Willie Taggart was hired in the pretense of, and so uh, not not a good look right now, being where they are in the rankings. I don't think there's any of that optimism left. It's all gone, right? I mean, I, I would say I would say uh, Kendall Bryles, yes. I, I mean, more. I would guess that more people right now are betting against Willie Taggart than there are people betting for him. I would say that too. Yeah, no, I think the optimism is 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 gone quickly. Um, but I mean, this it's just a weird deal. It's just I don't know. I mean, every, it was such a good fit from a recruiting standpoint. He's got Florida ties. He recruited the state. He did well recruiting at Oregon. Uh, but maybe it was Mario Cristobal that was that was driving that at Oregon or, or that staff out there. I, I don't know the answer. I'd love to get in the guts of that program and figure out the answer. Um, but, you know, losing, losing an offensive coordinator to the UMass head job shouldn't preclude you from getting a quarterback. And, the, and that's exactly what happened. This might be an unfair take, and I'm going to continue to test it, and maybe I will be in Tallahassee at some time this offseason. But I truly believe that the the championship dream that was sold to a roster – that was then turned into the end of the Jimbo Fisher era, as ugly as it got, and as you know, as much of a, a false start as Willie Taggart's first year was. I think it's just going to take some years before Florida State gets right. Just, I mean, and, and nothing against any of those individual players as human beings, but just the idea that the collective group think of that team is just cannot be healthy. That's my guess. And in that guess, it's just going to take a couple of years and a couple of cycles and a, a couple of key players inside that locker room taking leadership roles before things change. But my, I'm not willing to bet against Willie Taggart right now, but I am understanding 
that it just literally might be a matter of time before Florida State can get right and back to where we're expecting. And I've set that as my expectation, but if Florida State doesn't have it as its expectation, Willie Tiger won't make it to the number of years before they're good again. There was a quote in his Willie Taggart's press conference, which I'm sure when it was scheduled was 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 scheduled with the expectation there'd be some good news to discuss. Uh, and when asked about the lack of a, a quarterback in the commit list, his quote was, we have a plan, I think a pretty good plan. I don't necessarily want to discuss it right now, but I think we got a pretty good plan of where we want to go. Um We've had this plan in place, and after today we executed it, and we've got to continue to grow, be more adept at the position of the plan. I can't wait to hear this plan. It sounds like a great plan. They got a plan. They got a plan. They got a plan they don't, I mean, they don't need quarterback. I don't need high school quarterbacks. Um, so it's just it's just a I don't they, like all the things you said. I agree with, but. That does. You can still have a really good recruiting class. Like there's still, and Florida State should. So uh, I was thinking the, about the, like on-campus visits. If I'm the, a pro, if, if I'm a prospect and I show up on campus, I would be able to tell the mood of a locker room and a roster, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I that, think so. That's kind of where my bet is. Um. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. I, I don't know how much time Willie Taggart thinks he's got. I don't know. Maybe he's got a lot of time. But, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think Willie Taggart going in the right direction. Too. I, I think that I. I think that I am probably more on the. Uh, I'm. I'm probably on the front of the excuse making for Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart doesn't like. I don't help Willie Taggart not lose his job. So that's not doing anything. He's he's got to get wins on the field I, to be I, able to change things uh, in the big picture. All right. What about all right? So. Can I? I think as as you know, Florida State and even USC kind of got a bad rap for having a bad day. But the main reason they got a bad rap for having a bad day is because they're in the mix. They're they're in the top twenty, and they didn't get the guys they were supposed to get. And at least they're they're in there taking their swings. UCLA just had a bad day from the sidelines. Mm. I kind of looked up at the end of the day and just, oh, UCLA didn't make a move, whatever. I guess it's just sort of a down year, small numbers, whatever. And and then when I started started to realize like what that day meant for UCLA, UCLA went into Wednesday with five targets, and and I wrote about this in my my CBS column, my winners and losers column. They lost one of them to USC, who and and. I mean that's respectable, but it's still losing one to your to your crosstown rival. All right. Um, next up, they lost a defensive back, Kendon Reed, a local kid to Kansas State. What's up, Chris Kleiman? Explain that one to me. Yeah, I see you, Chris Kleiman. We had him on the show. Yeah, he was. He Good was. Chris Kleiman. He he was being. Uh, he was giving good uh, good energy. Good, good, good no interviews to the twenty four seven Sports signing day show. No doubt. Yeah, that was he must have known Kenyon Reed was coming because I don't even think it, <laughs> it happened at that point. So Kansas State beats UCLA on a local kid. Then you got Jordan Wilmore, who's a running back that is really good and had been 
considered a UCLA lean at UCLA lean at certain points in the process. Uh, he has yet to sign. I don't know if this happened since this afternoon, but it is looking like he's going to end up at either Arizona State or Utah, most likely Utah, with UCLA being kind of the least likely destination. All right, so that's not good. Puka Nakua, who's a, a, a USC receiver's commit that is likely heading to Washington or Oregon, maybe Utah, maybe UCLA, uh, but UCLA would be a bit of a surprise there. Um, that's that's not happening on signing day. That's going to happen after signing day. But uh, I think it would be a surprise if UCLA got him. And, um, again, that's respectable. I mean, you, that's that's not, not, not devastating that you didn't flip a kid from USC, but um, it's 0 for 4 now. And then the, the cherry on top is Drew Fowler decided to walk on at Washington instead of accepting a scholarship and committing to UCLA. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can, you can talk about UCLA's ranking. You can say that they're out evaluating, they're going to outdevelop. But I don't know how you spend that kind of day and say um, that it wasn't just a really bad look. Will you explain to me the offering, almost marketing branding strategy that Chip Kelly and the Bruins have going right now? <laughs> the the eight clap eight eight Saturday or eight eighth day of the month deal? Didn't you mention it on? That's, I mean, uh, I, I had a lot of yeah. information that I was intaking from like. Uh, you know, Google Chrome and Twitter and the computer that's on the TV and also the TV. But I feel like you were, you and Trey might have like uh, made reference to this at some point during your six hours of live coverage. Uh, they are offering kids eighth day of every month, and, and I'm you know I'm not even hating on the idea. It's fine, um, but I think that the conceptually the idea is to. Make those UCLA offers really coveted. Make people anticipate them and sweat them. And, because they're not out there offering everyone in the country. They are limiting their offers. They're not being overly aggressive. They're sort of taking this different approach. And it's a little bit of we're the smartest guys in the room approach. Um, and, I, and I do think that they've got a, a great plan in place in terms of what's going on at the program in the strength and conditioning um, in the player developments, and even in the you know on-field scheme and all those sort of things. But, man, I, kids today got to be recruited. And you can be above that only to a degree. And I think maybe they can evolve to being above that. But right now, UCLA doesn't – they don't carry the clout to be above that. And so they got to recruit. And I'm not sure they recruited hard enough in the 2019 cycle – and I'm I'm fascinated to see whether they recruit with the intensity necessary in the 2020 cycle. So one name that was popping up a bunch, yeah, you know, their wins outnumber their losses on National Signing Day. But one of the lingering storylines was from Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators staff doing a good job of closing, and it felt like they were for you know there were not many top prospects left for National Signing Day as it came in February, but it felt like Florida was in on all the ones they should have been. And they won enough of those battles that I think Gators fans are coming out of this day feeling pretty good. 
No question. I mean, the two big ones they won. Kair Elam, they it was a cornerback, one of the best in the country. They beat George on him. So SEC East, big W there. Uh, the other one, Chris Bogle, one of the best edge rushers in this class, was committed to Alabama. Miami really wanted him. South Florida kid, they got him. Flipped him from Bama, beat an in-state rival, kept a guy in-state. Dan Mullen, Mississippi dude, is going to do, uh, you know, comes in and, and, and gets it done and stay late. So, I mean, two big wins gets two big rivals, and bam, bam, like that's a way to close a class. And they finished top ten. Uh, I, I think if you're Florida, you're you're pumped. Um, you know, Dan Mullen gets this has this sort of reputation as not a great recruiter, but he was at Mississippi State, and this is year one at, at Florida, and, and I, I would imagine. Um, I think he's got the balance that I think Chip Kelly's kind of looking for. Look, Dan Mullen's going to be a developer and a coach first and foremost as well, but he's at least um, in there battling, scrap, and so I think that paid off at the end of the process here. And, and uh, Florida, I really think, finished with a really strong class, and, and, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball. It's funny because Dan Mullen, uh, is there – Outside of University of New Hampshire, does Dan Mullen have any Chip Kelly? Was he an assistant for Chip Kelly at any time? Yes, right? Was he? I don't know. I mean, he's uh, he's in the Urban Meyer tree, obviously. I was going to say it's more his... He, he's got his, Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly blood in him? I, I, think, I think that his recruiting habits are far more urban. Like, by saying that, I was thinking, I was like, man, Dan Mullen is showing a lot more... Uh, a lot more Urban Meyer than uh, than Chip Kelly with uh, with his particular recruiting habits because you know, had players talking about the uh, play, players talking about uh, him him coming around to the chopper, right? Yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, he knows he knows how how it works in the SEC. Like, like he's Campbell is still he's he may have been in Mississippi State, but they had a private jet there too. Uh, <laughs> so he. He knows that you gotta. I mean, look, the guy rocks, uh, you know, his custom his custom shoes, and and, and uh, he'll play the game. You know, Dan Mullen may be a football coach, but he'll play the game. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I think he he at least gets. You got to roll up your sleeves in the SEC and get after it a little bit. And, um, and I, 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 frankly, I think that's part of the reason why Chip Kelly wasn't wasn't ready to go to the SEC. I think he wants to go somewhere. And look, it's possible probably to take to the Chip Kelly approach at UCLA and win. It's just it's it takes proof oh, of concept first. It takes the winning has to come first, and the winning in there yet. Oh my gosh! In another universe, Chip Kelly takes that Florida job and tries to trot out this eighth of the month act, and just gets devoured. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that wouldn't work in the SEC. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I think, I, think that, I think that's tough. That's a tough sell. <laughs> um, um, all right. So the so you mentioned roll up your sleeves. I right, we're gonna roll up our sleeves. I right. Tennessee out here, out here locking down California. Out here getting the the top uncommitted prospect, the the number one offensive lineman. I mean, there is. There is nothing about Tennessee's recruiting that has gone uh, wary of where we thought it might have been under Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, the, I mean, I think this is everything Jeremy Pruitt wanted this class to be. 
Um, I think it's physical. It's tougher. They're better on the line of scrimmage. The today, what they landed on signing day with Darnell Wright, a five-star offensive tackle, and Henry To'o, who was one of the best linebackers in the country, who they beat uh, Washington, who was sort of the local favorite. Um, This kid's a Northern California kid. And Bama. Uh, And Bama. Mm. Going to win that one. And you get those guys. I mean, this is – I think – I just think as as Jeremy Pruitt's building this class out, it looks like this. I mean, he wants it to look like this. He envisions it looking like this. It's not a bunch of finesse players. It's a bunch of physical, tough kids. And, um, you know, I mean, look, they, that's we'll, we'll see if they've, you know, if they can coach them up and get them rolling. But I, I think that this is this is the type of roster that's going to be able to start um, holding the point of attack and, 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 and blocking and, and tackling some of these really good teams in the SEC. Henry Tooto. I don't know, man. You threw it out early. You said, like every- hey, hey, Barton, I was watching this live. And as somebody who has to do many of the same things that you do, I can sympathize in a special way with the, the challenges of this. And you dropped a, so what's Henry thinking? <laughs> on <laughs> with like, Greg I, Biggins, a- right? Did you, you, uh, y'all had Greg Biggins. And you, you came out and you said, all right, I, like, I hope I don't butcher this guy's name. You mentioned it. You took a stab at it. Got through your question, and you wrapped it up. Like, so what's what's old Hank doing? What's Henry well, doing? So, well, the problem was so Trey was on the our, Trey was on the set calling him Henry Tooto, and Steve was calling him Tua Tuo, and I was like, and we're like, there's some mashup being formulated somewhere at, at Tennessee or at De La Salle High School of us us three clowns just like butchering this kid's name over and over again, you know. I, it, we have this deal where we talk about these kids through the course of the process that sometimes we don't find out how they pronounce their names until they get to college. Um, so, sorry, Henry, but you are a hell of a football player and you're going to be a good one at Tennessee. 6'3", 230 pounds. I mean, just model for the position, right? Yeah, and and plays running back, is tough, is is one of the best that they've ever had at De La Salle, according to the coaches there, and that's a program that has had some absolute dudes so yeah, this is this is a great finish for Tennessee. Now, I mean, Darnell Wright, we expected the five star offensive tackle, but Henry Toto was the the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, and 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 a big one at that. Um, we will get into uh, another baseball Kyler Murray esque decision and some of the other winners and losers from the day right after this. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Jerrion Early. Ely. Ely. Jerrion Ely. Ole Miss beats out Clemson and Alabama. Uh, this was Clemson early, and then because Dabo Sweeney and Clemson are a little bit tricky about visits, he opens things up again. So uh, he was committed to Ole Miss. Okay. He was committed to Ole Miss. Dabo Sweeney doesn't allow you to uh, take an official visit to his program if you are committed elsewhere. He also doesn't allow his his players that are committed to him to visit elsewhere. So, hey, it's consistent. I respect that. Um, and so the kid opened it up so he could go take a visit and took a visit. And, look, I think ultimately um, he, this, he may be a one-and-donner, you know, Calipari style. You know, one season and he's off to, to play professional sports. That sport is just probably going to be baseball. He's probably going to be a high round, or not a high round, probably first round NFL draft pick this spring. Uh, And yet he'll probably be willing to play a season of football, probably wants to. And he'll probably be really good even as a freshman. He's going to do it at Ole Miss. And um, I I mean, Ole Miss had a pretty good day. And and that one, to win that one, even if they're only getting him for a year, I think is um, pretty awesome for that program. particularly given what they went through, keeping a kid like that in state is, is huge. There was a lot of uh, – that's another one where Ole Miss was in the mix more than I would have expected Ole Miss to be in the mix given the state of the program. No doubt. I mean, that's a credit to Matt Luke. That's a credit to whoever's figuring out their numbers. I, I, I don't know how they're making all these these sign. I don't know how they have room for all these guys. I didn't know it was possible to sign 31 guys anymore. I, I got I to gotta dig into the logistics there and, and – and, um, find out uh, how those numbers work. But either way, they got it done. They got a really good offensive line class. This is going to be a nasty year at Ole Miss. Not a, not like not going to be pretty on the field, but I think this is a recruiting class that can be a foundation for for the the rebuild after after that. So um, props to Matt Luke. Uh, good positive day there. What were you starting to sense in terms of other places where there was a lot of positive momentum? We've mentioned uh, Florida and Tennessee already, but uh, where else, just based on the as, – as you're digging into this, going into you know National Signing Day, you're doing your research, you got uh, Steve Wiltfong texting a billion coaches all at once on the iMessage, got just waiting on those dots to pop in and, and give the next bit of information. Where do you feel like other positive momentum was, uh, was happening uh, around the country? North Carolina went two for two. Old Mac Brown landed two of the, the best – Late rising prospects in this cycle. I, I was really impressed with what they did. I thought our guy Jeff Collins out at Georgia Tech had a good day. Jamias Griffin. Yeah, yeah. Dude, they the, only the they only signed five guys. 
added uh, added to their 18 players from the fall, but they were the right guys. They were all, yeah. all guys that other people wanted. No question. Um, brand The brand's already making a difference. Um, you know, we talked about Maryland a little bit. So th- there were certainly a few teams that, that did some good work. Um, look, I also think right at the very top of the rankings, I mean, look, the, the story of the day, the single biggest pickup, surprise, um, signing day signature p- play, so to speak, was the Georgia flip of George Pickens, who'd been committed to Auburn for two years, takes a visit in January to Georgia, among other places. No one was even thinking about him going to Georgia. I mean, they were sniffing around in maybe Miami. Hey, does LSU have a chance? Or uh, Look, he goes to Georgia, and we shouldn't have been shocked, but it, they, they did a really good job of keeping it under wraps, and um, perhaps they, they maybe weren't sure if they had a chance either. But, but George Pickens picked Georgia, and with that, Georgia landed the top two prospects in the state of Alabama, which is uh, a heck of a feat for, for Kirby Smart to pull off. So, um, you know, they've, they've really done a good job. And, and, and Alabama, too, I mean, even with a losing Chris Bogle and missing out on Henry Toto, and, and they still landed Ishmael Sopcher out of Louisiana, who was the, the, one of the top players in that state. Bruh. Continue to be a burr in the in the in the saddle of of Ed Ogeron in the state of Louisiana, and and ultimately this is one of Nick Saban's best classes he ever put to, he's ever put together. Did you see Sopcher's commitment? I didn't see it. No, was it eventful? Oh, it was awesome. Um, so Devonte Lee commits to LSU, and uh, place goes crazy. Everyone's hyped. Uh, the high school he goes to in Louisiana is also purple and gold. Yeah, it and is. So there's a bunch of purple and gold everywhere, everywhere. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, is, is LSU about to is just get both these guys? You know, when you've got the teammates announcing, you always, especially from someone who's outside the process, but having to cover it in real time, I kind of, you know, you're always working the storylines in your head. And he pulls out the speech that he wants to read uh, on his phone. And as he's going through it, he talks about how he never committed to anybody because he never wanted to decommit and he's always left his recruiting open. And he said, it's nothing political. I want to make choices totally on my own. And I was like, Oh no, it's not LSU. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, I want these hats on the table to show my agency and that I am my own man and I will make my own decisions. And I was like, well, it's definitely not LSU. <laughs> And then sure enough, he puts on the Alabama hat, which leads to like this amazing scream from the audience at the high school. Somebody like fainted in the back. (laughs) Like like it was half scream celebrate, but half scream shock and despair as opposed to the Devontae Lee announcement, which was all celebration. And, uh, and, and that one was a, a fantastic reminder that, uh, that that Alabama can still, Alabama can still trot in the, and get Landon Collins out. Alabama right. can still trot in and get Ishmael Sopcher out. Chip, have you spent much time in the state of Louisiana outside of like New Orleans, or just sort of going to visit the like New Orleans? Only Baton Rouge. I've so, done I've done Baton Rouge, and I've done like Louisiana Mississippi border, but, but like, like like if if you go to like the um 
the Louisiana State Championship game. They have it in the in the Superdome or the State Championship like um, uh, playoffs. You know, they have like five classifications, and uh, so there's you know ten games in two days. Or sure. Something. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, I guess not. I guess like five games in two days. Uh, but of the ten teams, six of them will be purple and gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I mean, I know purple and gold pops, but you know, every other program in that state is a tiger. I, I sat down with Ed Orgeron spring before last when he had sort of his first sort of go around with the job. And that was one of the things he said was, I don't see any tigers in this state, uh, but every team in this state has tigers as the mascot. There's a reason for that. And, you know, it's like uh, th- there is you can tell how much the state is invested in its in its team by how many states mimic the team's helmet or colors. And, man, everybody in that state has purple and gold. And so that is such – I mean, to me, like, I, I really I really respect that. A kid that is that can take that on and, and I mean, how easy it is to just, you know what, I'm just going to – I'm just going to be – I'm just going to stay in state and just uh, – everyone wants me to do this. I'm just going to – but, uh, look, I mean, that's – the guy that goes out of state, and, and that's that's true for every situation. Um, I think that does take some, you know, not to say there's, I mean, there's there's all kinds of reasons to stay in state. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, that that shows you a little something uh, when a kid's willing to, to sort of push back against all that and, and, and go somewhere else. No doubt. But it was awesome to, as he's reading it, it's like, oh, oh, no, the... <laughs> <laughs> the audience is not going to be happy about this. Okay, um, and and what's ironic is like and and um, you know the, the LSU message board was I think all upset they lost Sopcher and um, ironically like as they were losing Sopcher, a kid who hadn't even been committed, LSU was moving up in the rankings from sixth to fifth just by getting Devonte Lee. So it was still a great class for LSU, and it was still a dominant in-state hall. They just missed one. Alabama's kept their kept a uh, you know their their foot in the pool there uh, in Louisiana. So on a local note, you mentioned North Carolina. Did you see any clips of Mac Brown's signing day press conference this time? We talked to him. We had, I, I talked to Mac Brown, but I didn't I didn't hear his presser. He had the media sit there as he went through huddle tape for every prospect. Wow. How long did that take? Like 45 minutes. So he's just like breaking down film? Yes. <laughs> Listen, I'll uh I'll I'll send you cl- it doesn't make for good podcast fodder. I I guess if I'm you, sure. You know, but he sat there and just was doing the the fast forward and rewind. The for- I mean, it- the forward and back with the clicker. Just breaking down what every player is going to bring to the North Carolina Tar Heels. It doesn't make for good podcast fodder. I'm not sure. Does it even make for good press conference fodder? No. Like, that's the thing it? is like the only reason that I found out about this is because my friends and colleagues in the media here in the local area were like, so I've never been to a press conference like this. Hey, man. The old ball coach is back. It's time to – it's time to – that's a football town now. Chapel Hill's a football town. Time, so, to, time, to, time to have to break out the film, some teach tape. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that that's not the case because it actually seems more in line with, with when David Cutcliffe arrived at Duke and just held football clinics for students. Right, right. <laughs> you had to teach people the rules. <laughs> teach people yeah. what's up with football. Uh, of, of all the, the coaches that you talked to, what, which of those conversations 
do you felt like you caught you caught coach in a good spot, good conversation, good moment, yeah, either for the show or even for uh, your own insights into the program in the day? Well, I mean, I thought all of the coaches were 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 pretty good. Seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Um, I you know enjoyed the Scott Frost conversation as always. En- enjoyed Mike Gundy. Um, I thought he was he was pretty pretty candid and and just sort of talking about what's what's coming and and some of their you know their approach to star rankings and basically basically was like we try to recruit the highest rated players we can find but they don't all want to come to Oklahoma State so we'll go we'll go some find some of the does and you know we got a pretty we'll do a pretty good job with those guys and so um you know it was just sort of Mike Gundy being Mike Gundy that that was that was enjoyable and um I thought one honest moment was Gary Patterson. We asked him, you know, about his national approach and whether the brand nationally was growing. And he was like, you know what? I really think we get more respect nationally than we do in our own state. Mm. Um, you know, I think he sort of felt he's got, got that chip on his shoulder. You know, it kind of feels like he's he, he feels like they're the, um, you know, the 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 little brother next to Texas and Texas A&M and maybe even Baylor or whoever else. Uh, and so I think he's he sort of miffed that uh that they're not sort of mentioned in, in their state alongside those those programs so um but but you know, he, gary patterson's always sort of got a chip on his shoulder and um and and they pulled in a pretty good class this year kind of with, with this, your typical under the radar type, type of guys that uh that he unearthed so uh, a lot of good conversations nick saban lincoln riley brian kelly um, it was a fun day talking to those guys. So when do you and Gary Patterson bury the hatchet face to face? We were we were talking about the in, the in the as we were prepping for the show. Trey and my co-host on the show was like, "You got to ask him about the rejects thing." And I was like, "Man, I don't think I want to do that. You never know what's going to get him riled up. Like this is supposed to be a safe place for them to talk about the recruits. We're not trying to have gotcha moments." So I sort of I sort of brushed that aside and said, let's 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 let the guy just come in and talk about his recruiting class. And uh, he might laugh it off, but he might not. And I don't really want to deal with that. So uh, I don't know if journalistically that was the right approach by me, but I think I I think would get made for a better conversation with with Coach P. I think we're always going for the, the, the strongest product. It's it's college football. We're just trying to provide an entertainment product. Ultimately. Yeah, and I, I very much like look at those conversations on signing day. Oh, as, entertainment product. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're just we're trying not, to serve like, the fans. I'm not trying to break news. We're no. not trying to like like you know need at these guys. We're just this is an opportunity for them to promote their class and hopefully for us to learn a little bit about their class. Some are a little more more sort of forthcoming than others in terms of what they actually expect out of them. Um, but no, that's not that's not my time to shine on the sort of big. Uh, capital j journalist stage no you you get to write the uh you get to write the redemption column and tell the full story basically next (laughs) the 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 next sit down that you get with gary patterson y'all get to have a, a a come clean moment where you get to explain your side and he gets to talk about I want the I want the headline writer. We should. I mean, uh, people, a lot of people may not even know what we're talking about. But when back when the uh, during the season when I wrote a story about how great of a job TCU has done with 
evaluating and developing guys that other programs didn't want. And in the in the story I used, God, and you were so complimentary of the entire program throughout the column it was the most complimentary story that could have been written possible um and and this the cbs twitter headline was tcu's band of rejects is could be one of the best in the country or something and uh yeah coach pete took offense to that uh but hey all's good all's good i think coach and i are good had a good conversation today felt right um usc where where is the the hope here I don't know. Uh, Graham Harrell. Is that, Graham? I, don't, I don't think like Graham Harrell, JT Daniels. Cool. Like USC is going to come out and I cannot think that they're going to be much more than a replacement level Pac-12 team. I mean, they still have players. They, they're they're. I mean, they still have players. I, I, I refuse to believe they don't have players. I just don't believe it. But so, it's, it, it is – it is not just like them being able to stand out among the Pac-12, but as the rest of even the elite tier of college football. It's like USC occupied a space not only at the top of the Pac-12, but as a card-carrying member of the elite club of college football. And from a performance, but even also maybe now we're starting to see from a talent standpoint – the elite club is moving on to the next station. And I think they're like, it is not crazy to think that USC is getting left behind and we are seeing the beginning of it. I mean, what's funny to think is that they'd be getting left behind by Oregon or, and, and Washington. I mean, I, I mean, I guess no, I, I think, I think Oregon and Washington are feasting on USC's downfall. No doubt. I think they're benefiting, but the, as the PAC 12, as a conference, continues to find itself looking up at the other four conferences from a performance standpoint. I think that you, it's not like USC getting better will make everyone better, but I also don't think USC correcting itself is a zero sum game for Oregon and Washington. I think those just, those are just two programs that seem healthy right now. Right? No, you're right. Um, yeah, look, I think they – I mean, and, and what's – I think this class that USC brought in today, like they still got some guys, some probably pretty good players, but they're just not beating the teams they're used to beating on signing day for that furious close we're used to seeing. And they did lose some guys. Um, you know, they're losing to Ohio on Hawaii guys. USC got to win Ohio – Hawaii guys. Um, they're, they're losing their receivers to – Washington or, or Oregon and so it's uh I mean that's another program I, I think that they've they've just got to they've got to show improvement on the field before it really starts to to turn on their uh, on the recruiting trail you did a lot of good work today thanks man feels good to be over I'm ready for bed I gotta talk more tomorrow how much more a, a little bit more do you have eight o'clock hq uh, I think I have a morning HQ and, and then I got to go and my, my, uh, three-year-olds punching kids in school. And so we got a parent teacher conference to, to sort that out. <laughs> so that was, that was the text you want. Like when you're on your sixth hour of live <laughs> programming, uh, yeah, scout punched a little girl again. All right. Great. Oh man. Um, so we got, we got a discipline problem in the Simmons household. 
there have been plenty of uh you, you gotta just pull up Kenny Bigelow and talk about second chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna start looking for JUCOs. A five C a five star prospect. <laughs> Ju- just, isn't getting a good fit at the first stop, so we're just gonna, gonna have to look somewhere else. We're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the teacher and she's gonna hand us a list of junior college daycares that we can <laughs> we can explore <laughs> oh man well good luck with that seriously uh send uh our like mine and the listeners obviously all of our uh all of our congratulations to the 24 7 sports team uh trey and steve and the like all the producers it was good stuff all through the day uh, man, it was fun appreciate it uh uh thanks thanks for the love we uh we will be back with you next week as we continue uh, to move through the off season. We will probably still have at least one or two big recruits that are holding out or causing some kind of drama. Follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Hello.